The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. There are two sides to the broadcast industry, content creators and money makers. This podcast is for that second group, sellers, buyers, managers, anyone with an interest in business. You're all welcome here. This is Seller to Seller. Now, here's your host, Jeff Caves. So the Seller to Seller podcast, to be of most valuable resource, should really be something that you listen to that gives you an idea to go out and maybe sell or how to sell more effectively and overcome some challenges that you've got in your career right now. And I know there's a lot of sales managers, general sales managers, and even market managers that are engaged in the process of selling themselves. I mean, they're doing the selling, either in tandem with their reps or they're out handling a list on their own, whether it be local, regional, or national business, or digital, or NTR, or anything else. If they've got relationships in today's climate, it seems like I'm sure they're handling it and making it happen. I want this and this Seller to Seller podcast to be of value to you. So that when you get in those situations, these are the kinds of things that you're reminded of that may make your job easier, more effective, and, and ultimately push you over the goal line. So I try to look at things from that perspective. So welcome. Please rate it, review it, however you get it. If you've got a guest idea for me or a topic idea, you know, shoot me off an email, jeffgays54 at gmail.com. You can find my stuff on Barrett Sports Media quite easily, all right? Let's get right to it with our guest today. Bob Lynch has worked in radio ad sales, uh, then called Intercom. He sold the Red Sox and the Celtics radio networks. He worked at iHeartMedia, Z100 and Q104.3, and Westwood One. He's also been the lead on sports sponsorship sales for the Dolphins and Sun Life Stadium, the Nets, the Islanders, and Barkley Center. Four years ago, you may have heard of this, he introduced Sponsor United. This is a software program for sponsorship properties, brands, agencies, salespeople used to identify and connect and execute and measure and research because I've used it. It can really best be described as who doesn't use Sponsor United. If you're in the business of selling sports sponsorship or you're in the media and you have to go out and plan how you're going to sell your sports sponsorships, you're using Sponsor United. So Bob has a very, very unique skill set in having sold sports radio, and now he's in the business of helping all kinds of sellers and buyers of sponsorships and entertainment and sports with a research piece that is unbelievable. Let's get to it. You know, your background I, I talked about already, but I'm sure to this day, you still want as many qualified prospect appointments as you can get running a big company like Sponsor United. I go back to Mark McCormick, IMG. He only took closing appointments, period. When he started that business, white shirts, red ties, and closing appointments, that's my job. Get me in those kinds of environments. So, you know, what do you think is the key to getting more qualified sales appointments for salespeople? Well, I think when you're in a true, by the way, SaaS startup business, like, like I was, and when we first started out, you know, the, the founder does everything, sweeps the floor. So it's funny that you say, I wish I could just show up at the closing appointments. Now it was, uh, it was mostly me before I had a sales staff opening all the doors and selling to sellers uh, early on, selling really primarily to the sales side. 
of teams and and media companies, and now we work with brands and and, and agencies and whatnot. But uh, but it's it's funny that you say that. Um, you know, I do think that look, uh, and and actually, it's, there's a lot of parallels to the startup space and the SaaS space in many ways to what I did in in radio years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, you get you have to. It's a competitive environment especially today with the amount of data and services available for people to kind of scale outreach, there's more noise than ever. You mentioned, how do you get more qualified leads? You have to figure out ways to authentically connect with enough potential people. And then authentically doesn't necessarily mean, oh, I met you at a cocktail reception and we had a great conversation and, and caught up on family. What I mean is because everybody's busy, it's how are you authentically solving problems for people? How are you targeting the organizations that have a specific need and you, by your knowledge of understanding what not only their needs are and challenges, but how your product and service really solves it in a different way that's going to be interesting, that's going to get their attention. Uh, that's the biggest thing. And I, um, you know, it's funny, I get solicited by a million vendors. Mm-hmm. So I now actually get a chance to like see the volume from, from the other side for the first time in my career. And it is very rare for anybody to gain attention. And I'm sure this is what many marketers and many media buyers and people must feel like every day. I finally Mm -hmm. feel like it. And I realize that everybody actually at scale sounds alike. And I think what what younger people are doing is they're realizing I have to leverage data. I have to leverage um, platforms that, that can help me sort of, you know, whether it's AI and how can I message somebody that it sounds more authentic and unique but they're trying to leverage as many tools as possible, uh, probably to make up for the fact that they grew up in a world of digital first and not so much like, hey, we go to the playground all day long and come home, but now I'm on a computer all day long. Mm -hmm. And so they're probably not as comfortable in sort of that face-to-face cold call environment that many of us grew up in. I'm going to touch on this in a second, but you know, when we customize our plans and get a unique selling proposition that I want to bring to Sponsor United and you, can, how do I, do I scale that with other SaaS companies? Because uh, then I just customize it for the next one down the line. Because when we look at the time yeah. investment in coming up with that USP for every single client, all of a sudden your call counts go down yep. and you feel that pressure. Yeah. And I, and I can give you a specific time that I first started to think about this in my radio days. Um, you know, what, what, what companies are, are getting smart about doing now is, is starting to define the attributes of every potential prospect out there. And what are the core attributes of these different companies? And there's certainly a lot of uh, uh, platforms that help you do that, but what are the core attributes of those? And so when you look at sort of, okay, well, these type of companies, they're a startup, they just raised a series B round, they're starting to scale into consumer facing markets, they're in this industry. And so you, you can drill down to like, here, here is one customer, but how do I replicate that across the 500 others that are in a similar place and then go to market with, here's how we can start to solve that problem. And you might learn through that, like, oh, no, they don't like that. Oh, it's more this. By the time you get to the 50th, the 100th, that's a pretty well-defined scalable process. And you know, in the SaaS business, again, it's, it's funny, it reminds me of going into the, the, the day-to-day is, you're trying to build something that scales. You're not an agency trying to work with a handful of customers at mm-hmm. a very high price point. You're trying to figure out a way to work with a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand customers. And depending on what sort of a business you're in, uh, but certainly in the media space, it is mm-hmm. more of a you know large scale uh, you know relationships and, and number of brands you're working with. 
you have to find those segments that you can then take to a hundred others, whether it's, Hey, we're going to do this in New York and then we're going to scale this into uh, LA and other places, which I know we'll probably get into a little bit later, but I learned a lot about that through my experience at what was clear channel and Bain consulting, looking right. at the automotive of like, how do we understand this here so that we can then scale these things that feel very authentic and unique to this particular customer base. The, one of the uh, early successes I had in, in I, I really was a sponsorship deal was this, the Honda Civic Tour. And I haven't talked about this in got a decade. The Honda Civic Tour used to, uh, they, they'd have this tour go around. I don't know if they still do it. And they would, uh, they partnered with uh, Z100 at the time, which was the station that I sold for. And we, we would get tickets. We'd have some local rights to the content. We'd be able to sell a local uh, sponsor into that broadcast. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, figured out, all right, well, you know, here's kind of the unique thing, but then it was, all right, how do I take this to every single Honda dealer with the same sort of well thought out position thing? By the time I got to the fourth or fifth dealership, my pitch was refined. I understood the market. We ended up selling it probably to the ninth or the 12th uh, dealer that we talked to. So, you know, it's, it's taking something that feels very unique and customized, but can be scaled into other markets. And if it can't, you know, it's really probably not going to be worth your time unless the price point is so high that it's worth the investment to put in to learn everything you can about that one particular customer. Yeah. And you, we can complete that thought, your work with with iHeart or Clear Channel, with what they may have been called at that time, and then the Bain Consultants. And I think I heard or read something from you, Bob, that you learned how the consultant looked at a vertical industry like auto and how they attacked it. So how do you think guys listening and girls listening to this would learn from that? I've always felt learn something well and then apply it to as many different situations as you can. Yeah, well, I, I think it starts with priority of where, where are the best opportunities to partner. And you've really got to have a core understanding of, of your unique value set and, and what are the industries or types of buyers that are most likely going to benefit from that. I think it all starts with the homework of understanding where do you allocate your time? You only have so much bandwidth. And so in order to be a good consultant, you have to have time to be able to consult. And so it's, it's sort of once you understand your priority markets where there's opportunities, and I'll tell you... Uh, to go back to the auto thing, I, I wasn't even an auto expert when I, I sold for what, what's now Odyssey uh, was Entercom. I completely stayed away from it. I ignored it. I, I never called on any of the, uh, the dealers or, or manufacturers, which I probably didn't even have an opportunity to do. But when I got to New York I, and Z100, it's a unique station. It's a, it's a you know, young, female skewing, um, you know, pop culture sort of audience, very different from sports radio and news talk where I sold. But I asked, where's the biggest opportunity where there's not a lot of competition mm-hmm. uh, from, from other people trying to sell in this space? And, and a lot of people had a perception, well, auto wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't target this market. But there was significant spend, but also there was an audience for that. And so it's really kind of finding that, uh, you know, it's a large enough audience and potential and there is uh, an authentic connection to what you sell where you can serve them. So you want to avoid as much competition as possible and bring something different to the table. And that's really where you can start to become more of a consultant. You have to be a student of, of business all the time. You just, you know, you're going to stumble upon learnings that are ultimately going to inspire you or think differently about how to solve a problem. I read a New York Times article about, and look, this is going back almost 20 years about mm-hmm how uh, dealerships were trying to target the female audience, which they hadn't traditionally done over the last like 70 years. You know, uh-huh. That old standard of like, oh, the male, male makes all the decisions and whatever. Right. And you know, that was shifting. And there was a very extensive article about that. 
uh, about targeting the female audience and it, or, or female um, uh, buyer, but also talked about the challenges and the intimidation from the other side in terms of the trust factor and, and the intimidation probably like me selling to the auto business of not wanting to even walk in there. And using that as sort of an anchor and saying, well, how can we solve that problem at a macro level with this industry? And then how do we go to the specific dealerships and start to solve that problem? So I'm only doing the work once mm -hmm. to kind of come up with the unique value proposition. And that's, that's that I truly and strongly believed in at the time mm -hmm. and say, we can solve this big problem. And now let's take it to market. It kind of walks us into the the, the next point that I'd like you to elaborate on the consultant cell, which has been taught in the media sales business for decades, really. And I, I look at it now and I wonder, how could you possibly become a consultant on all the different things that the radio clusters are now selling from events to NTR stuff to sports sponsorships, play-by-play -play, to digital, Google? I mean, they got us going in a lot of directions. So how would you tell somebody to be able to get into consultant selling and understand other people's needs, you know, if they're just starting in this business and they feel a little overwhelmed, really. Yeah. You know, the, the industry in general, I mean, when I say industry, the advertising industry is becoming so incredibly fragmented. It's evolving so quickly. You, know, you think about over a 20 year period from let's say 1950 to 1970, there weren't that many new innovations in the advertising industry. It might've had some digital good point. points. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a lot that changed or 1970 to 1990. Uh, you go five years, three years, and there's, I mean, TikTok and, and retail transactions taking place on there. The metaverse, um, name image likeness uh, mm -hmm. in college athletic, those things three years ago didn't even exist or, you know, they existed, but nobody knew about them. Mm -hmm. I feel for you in terms of, and I feel for really the next generation coming in because it's, it's, it's growing so quickly, it's nearly impossible to really be deep and consultative in that way. So I think you have to kind of take one of two bets as a, as a seller. One is you either have to pick an, a particular horse and, and dive deep into it or a set of, of horses and say, all right, these are the three places, the four places I need to know more than a uh, sort of a top level of how it works. Sure. You know, using the word consultant, I think it gets used overused because, uh, because you're not really a consultant. You, you, you're, you're saying you're a consultant, you're asking questions, but a true consultant is, is ultimately knowledgeable and can bring value. Giving answers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, um, so I think you have to look at that. And then, you know, at the same time, you know, the world's becoming more of a generalist world. You know, it, it, there's a lot of blending in terms of what is, you know, marketing and, and where do these brands go and buy? And it's, you know, Amazon and Google and uh, Walmart are ad platforms. DraftKings is an ad platform uh, mm -hmm. and FanDuel as well. You have to know a little bit about a lot of different categories. And I actually think that's good for the industry because in the past, everybody was very good at understanding their particular platform. I am a radio seller. I'm a TV seller. They knew that. And there wasn't mm -hmm. too much crossover other than maybe knowing uh, grips and cost per points that applied sure. to other mediums. Today, uh, because there is so much out there, I think it actually forces sellers to be more knowledgeable about a much broader area of business, you know, from content marketing to on-site experiential, you name it. So I actually think people are more equipped today to be able to understand at a macro level what brands are doing or what potential things that they can be involved in. It's not to not to plug what we do, but 
it's one of the reasons that I built Sponsor United was that the fact that it's only going to continue to accelerate all the different things that people can buy and sell in, in many cases. Let me get you back to the, the the purpose here about getting more qualified prospects, some qualified prospects, a qualified prospect, and getting that appointment to make the transaction. And the differences that you may see in, you've had the benefit of working in the NFL with the Dolphins, the Red Sox and Major League Baseball, the Celtics Radio Network, Barclays Center, the Nets. I mean, you've worked at some high-profile places where when you come knocking, at least they may listen. Well, what if you were, then all of a sudden you said, well, maybe I'll start Sports United. What's the difference there for you in how you positioned all of a sudden when you went back to, yeah, I was, I want to start this SaaS business, Sponsor United. I must have been different, getting appointments. Well, uh, let me start in one other place and I'll get back to that. My first sales job was at WRKO in Boston. It was news talk. I, I, I was an assistant at the sports rate, WEI was a powerhouse. And mm-hmm. they, you know, they were, they were right about to hit their stride with, uh, with the Red Sox winning their world series. I think uh, my second year in, um, and when it was time for me to get into sales, they moved me over to WRKO and said, Hey, there's, there's a tremendous opportunity. That's great and all, but that's saturated. There's a really great opportunity over here at this, uh, number 23rd ranked, uh, station. That's a, you know, a, a legacy station and it was a legacy station. And, uh, and, you know, uh, at the time I certainly, I was very disappointed. My friends were over there selling, you know, it was so cool what they were doing. And I was a sports guy and here I am selling, uh, uh, you know, um, the demographic obviously more, you know, skews 55 plus and, sure. and, uh, uh, and, and at, you know, when you're a 24 year old, you're not necessarily listening to, uh, um, you know, political talk all day on radio, like my father was let's right. say at that time, uh, or, or just the traffic and weather, uh, it was the best thing that ever happened to me though, uh, because I had to sell this thing that I, I didn't know anything about. I didn't really, uh, at the time passionately believe in. And, uh, and, the, and the industries that, that marketed and would want to target that audience weren't ones that I was a purchaser of necessarily. I wasn't buying a reverse mortgage at 24 years old. Or, <laughs> I didn't uh, even know what it know, was. I, I didn't need retirement home services or, or any of those things. It really did force you. It's like a crutch almost when you have a really valuable uh, platform to sell in some ways. And I know that's kind of counterintuitive, but it really does force you to be much more creative, to be much more targeted in terms of these industries make sense. Here's why I need to understand these industries and how they operate. And it forced me to read, you know, quarterly reports on publicly traded companies and get into the nuance of that and, and buy the trade industries. And, and I had to be able to distinguish myself based off my knowledge of their industry first to get their attention because I knew that my product might not, unless they were, you know, in, in some cases it was also, Hey, I need to find the, the people and groups that are going to be the ones that actually are passionate about this particular station. So then it came down to, I need to know their industry so that I could speak their language immediately and at least gain trust that I understand where they're coming from. And Oh, by the way, I think there's authentic, like there are ways in which we can solve this for you. And that's the way that um, I, I kind of looked at it. And I think a lot of the people that I was friends with who had to start in that position did as well, that were very successful. It was all about the company. It wasn't about the product anymore. We had to completely mm-hmm. focus on the company. Right. And, you know, even in Miami early days, it was interesting because it was a very passionate fan base, but they had gone through a long period of time that they had struggled 
they weren't apathetic, but they were angry, <laughs> which is not a bad thing. It's, it's better than being apathetic. Sure. But that made it challenging with some of the local uh, companies and brands. And it actually forced us to go out of the market and start to position the Miami and the South Florida market as a gateway to Latin America, uh, the positioning of Miami and our audience to those that might not be so uh, emotionally tied to the market. And all of a sudden we were having much different conversations with a brand like Bristol Myers Squibb out of New Jersey, looking to do skin cancer uh, awareness mm -hmm. campaigns that were targeting South Florida. All of a sudden we made tremendous sense for them. They weren't thinking about in the same way that the traditional uh, sponsors that we would go after would. All right. So either in the past or to today, I'm sure you still want to get in front of the most important decision makers you can to further your company and your cause. So are there some things that after you've emailed, it doesn't work, or you had a great initial meeting, then he goes to you. Do you have any go-tos? Are you getting into video uh, emails or creative? We remember the old day we would send gifts through the mail and, you know, send them a key and a lock and I can unlock this for you and all that. I mean, do you have anything like that? Today, there's just so many more mechanisms to try to be creative to get somebody's attention, which you have to, because again, it, it is much more cluttered in terms of the, the amount of people that are soliciting and reaching out. But we track uh, about 10,000 sellers that use our platform on a weekly basis. The most searched brands, they're getting a few hundred people in a day that are looking at their profile and inevitably contacting them. So imagine being on that side, you're one of 200. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter who you are. It's, it's not even, you could be the Cowboys or whoever. Um, it's just, it's crowded. So I, I always kind of took the approach of, I've got to try something that there's less people trying to do and it's very different and it's very valuable uh, to them if they're going to get this message and note. And I don't, I don't have one true way. And I don't think there ever is kind of like water. It's just got a flow to wherever the cracks are. And, and that's going to be different every single time. My challenge was I needed people to see the platform. If they saw the platform, they'd be like, game over. Like, okay, I get it. This is amazing. My challenge was being able to uh, be able to actually describe it in a, in a very succinct way uh, that they would get it and say, oh, this is different. Um, it's very hard to do. And I probably still struggle with it in some ways. But if I showed it to them, I know that. So I, I did a quick, very condensed, probably a couple minutes, but it was very tight in terms of, this, this, and this you have to know about. And, you know, I had it in, in an email. I sent it, you know, I, I always did the mini shotgun approach, I would call, which is like, mm -hmm. all right, who's the person I think it is? And who would I see, see that I think may also be, or maybe one of those, if I don't know exactly who it is, maybe one of them is going to see that. And, um, you know, with Loom, you could see if somebody watches the video. So I knew it was being watched. I didn't know by whom, you know, I, but that doesn't always work for everybody either. Um, that's the thing. I don't think there is one true way because once it happens, then everybody catches on and then you're back to square one again. So I yeah. think it's always thinking about those different ways. I, I do find LinkedIn is a, is a good mechanism also to message. I, we try to do it internally. And, and a lot of the salespeople that use our platform do this as well. And, I, and you don't need our platform to do it, but it's, it's finding something that is not the generic like message that gets their attention. It's got to be something that's just different. And then, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes it's who you message and sometimes you have to go very high, medium, low. You have to work different people, in my opinion, it, it, because if you're stuck at one, um, you're going to die with that one. 
All right, last last thing here, uh, yeah. and then because we're running cl close to, to to the limit, they want me to keep this at. But you've yeah. got great advice because you've been a large market seller in a pro play by play environment. You've sold a lot of that. There are now a lot of people getting ready and already selling football and their play by play arrangements. What is your best advice to those who are out there now selling pro play by play? And maybe this is the the time for you to tell them about sponsor United or whatever, whatever you would tell them. It's got to be different in 2022. Well, uh, in major pro sports, there were uh, a little over 4,000 unique brands that bought a sponsorship or a media deal across 150 teams this past year. So about 4,000 of those, um, there were about 1500 brands that bought radio pre-game and game post-game radio. So 1500 okay. out of the 4,200 brands. I'm not even talking about all the vendors that sell in and all that. That's closer to about eight, 9,000 uh, companies that, that are there. And so I, I, I say that because, you know, I want to reiterate, there is such a, like, obviously you got to win in, in the places you got to win. You got to win with the people already buying radio, but there are, um, you know, there, there's a tremendous amount of brands that are not doing anything in that space, in the radio space at all. Not only that, there's a lot of brands that are buying radio in other markets that people don't even know that they're buying in other markets. The powerful thing about radio, especially if you actually own a network of stations that are across multiple markets, is um, out of those 4,000 brands, there's only 93 of them, 93 that, that were in at least 10% of the 10% of the properties. Hmm. So they, they because sponsorship, the, the challenge with sponsorship is that most of them are selling individually. Where media has a re really great opportunity is the fact that, hey, I could take something that works here and through our company have a single source to be able to scale this, test it in one market, scale it into multiple markets. And there's thousands of brands that literally aren't being talked to. I think that's where sellers have an opportunity. There's a lot of business that's out there that's just not being talked to right now. Well, and you know that, that's one of the driving factors of having is to pull back the curtain and say, Here's the other 3,000 brands. Here's who they are. Here's the category. Here's where they're based. Here's who the key decision makers are. Here's what they buy uh, outside of all of this. So that when you go in, you're not spending the first discovery call for an hour just learning about their business. Even how much they spend, how much they spend, how to get a hold of some of these. I've used, I guess, admit I should have said it up front. I've used this product and I know that. And it's tremendous asset to, to, to knowing spend levels and, you know, asks, you know, on your side, how much to ask for, well, how much did they spend over there? Let's start well, with that. that. Going back to your original thing about how do you become a consultant? If you, if you can ex essentially uh, have all that information at your fingertips, you can spend more time going deeper and you're not just spending time on, on manual research uh, so that you can actually scale more engagement and deeper engagement with those potential customers. Tremendous insight from Bob Lynch. Appreciate his time. Please rate it, review it, catch it. You can also get my articles released every Friday at BarrettSportsMedia.com. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Seller to Seller with Jeff Caves. Each episode is available on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, the iHeart app, and most podcasting platforms. To stay in touch with Jeff, follow him on Twitter at Jeff Caves and read his sales columns on BarrettSportsMedia.com.